Welcome back to another edition of these Para Podcasts. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. G'day, fellas. And your host Hamish Ham off this week, uh, much like uh, the performance of Parramatta yeah. over the weekend. We were given the whole uh, pass after that one. Jesus. Yeah, not not a good day at the office, but we will get to that. Um, but first, we will start with um, some results, which will include the Harvey Norman New South Wales Women's Premiership, uh, which sees the Wenty Magpies going down 12-18 to the Rabbitohs. So I guess at least a, a closer affair in this one, two tries to three. Rima Butler and Catalina Barbe going over with Kaylee Thompson um, converting two. So unfortunately, not, not enough to get the, the job done, but it was 12, 12 all at halftime. But like, yeah, like you said, it's obviously trending in the right direction. And it was something that we sort of noticed with the Tasha Gale going back a year or two was that they were getting rolled early in the season but starting to build into the contest. And that built into what we saw this year where they went uh, deep into the finals and were the second-best team in terms of uh, first-past-the-post in the regulation season. So I think it's good signs. Catalina Vave, obviously one of our Gale prospects, playing up into the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, and then let's jump into the flag. Um, so, unfortunately, not a great round across the Parramatta Eels, but at least the flag held up out of Belmore. Um, so, played Saturday the 11th of June, Eels 24 over the Dogs 14. Uh, Louis, Lanaz, Blackburn, Arthur Miller-Steven and Ethan Sanders all going over t- for tries, but Ethan Sanders again, um, not great with the boot, yeah. two from five. Kept the Dogs still- in it. Yeah. yeah, five tries to three gets us over the line. Yeah, this, this is the sort of result that Ham and I have been sort of championed for for a while. I know we had that huge win against Canberra, but these grittier, I mean, I say gritty, it was still five tries to three. It could have been much more of a blowout on the scoreline, but it is still grittier wins. Are how you start building momentum, uh, you know, sort of getting through your systems, holding on to the ball, and, uh, you know, doing the stuff that you know will work for you in this grade. I mean, it works in the NRL, but, you know, it works twice as well in this grade. If you hold on to the ball, invariably you're going to win. So good start. Um, they were disappointing the week before that. So you've got to take it one week at a time. But 24-14 over the Dogs. Uh, I think it might actually get them close to back into the top eight, if I just quickly pull up the ladder. Uh, yeah, ninth place just outside on four and against. Uh, no, technically Canberra have got an extra buy at the moment. So they've got the extra two points. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good start. But they've got to do more of it. Yeah, for a team that um, I think we've uh, sat on here a couple of times has had to bleed ta- talent upwards, yeah. um, it's good that they're they're still around the edge of the eight in that in that grade and can make a push in the back half of the season. Um, okay, so this game was televised, which was the knock-on effect uh, cup game, which was Bulldogs uh, prevailing thirty to twenty over the Eels. Um, unfortunately, uh, we stopped uh, playing in the second half up until the last minute when Loizu yeah, went over in the, the corner. Um, but five tries to four. Uh, Bryce Cartwright, Hayes Perriman, Tom Opacic, Sam Loizu at the end, and Rankin two from four off the boot. So we're leading half time 16 12, uh, but being run over the top in the second half. Um, we had uh, ex Eel Tim Manor in the commentary box for this one. Yeah, Timmy on the mic. Former Eel Sam Hughes on the field as well. A couple other former Eels there too. I think Bailey Beyond Diodo. Uh, God, looking through this, who else is there? Jaden Tanner, maybe? I can't remember. Um, and then, yeah, that's about it. But I think this is a, a frustrating game. No one here is frustrating as first grade, but we'll firmly control it 16 to 6. Then we saw uh, Jordan Rankin go down to a hammy, followed by Hayes Perham going down to, I can't remember what he got done by. So we went down two key backs in that back line. Uh, our fullback, the deputy fullback, and then we had to go to our first string fullback in Sean Russell, and it just all fell apart. We just started playing loose football. 
the dogs capitalized on it. Um, there was some really loose ruck defense, uh, complete opposite of what they've been building for for a number of weeks now. They've been so good uh, through that middle corridor and so consistent once they get into the red zone. And we saw the complete opposite of that against the Bulldogs. And it's no surprise that the scoreboard read 30 to, well, it was 30 to 16, which probably more of an indication of the dominance the Dogs had, but 30 to 20 at the end. Yeah, it just seemed that second half, unfortunately. They just uh, they had a couple of chances down at the Bulldogs line, yeah, but poor, just couldn't help. Well, Tommy had the, uh, the grease fingers on there. I think Jake Arthur had him over the line twice or close to twice, and he dropped the ball cold. So, yeah, they were left to remove those opportunities, and then, yeah, the dogs pounced. Just sloppy rock defense got punished. All right, well, let's jump on to first grade. So, Eels going down 34-4 to to the Bulldogs. Uh, Will Panasini, the lone try scorer, no conversions. Um, down 16 nil at halftime, and things didn't turn around in the second half. Bertie, I'll start with you. Yeah, just just disappointed because we just know the Bulldogs, we just know TPG, sorry, TPG, yeah, TPG. TBJ. TBJ, sorry. Fuck, same thing. TPG, sell internet and mobile phone plans. Yeah, I wish he turned up. Like, we just knew that they're, they've got a decent pack. You know, Paul Vaughan and TPJ are the leaders. And we just thought, you know, our game plan goes out the window as soon as the opposition team arcs up and essentially, um, you know, fight back. So it's just so frustrating. And we say it every time. Like, how many times we say in the Discord, just don't have to score off the first set. Don't have to score off this set. Just build pressure. You can't win the game in the first 20 minutes, but you can lose it. And they're just, they just... You know they scored the they scored the try that every single Parramatta fan could see coming all week except for Brad Arthur. It was just it's like they just you know it's the common thing they dumped down to their level. We just did stupid shit and it was just so frustrating. And you know um, I'm I'm really am yeah, sick of Reed Marnie. I honestly cannot wait till he leaves. I, I'm already beginning the farewell tour right now. But I just it's just a lot of like a lot of players. And we're going to talk about you know um, uh, the team team list this week. But I just a lot of players just played shit. And it just, it was worse than the West Tigers game. Now, look, I can give the West Tigers game performance or the Cowboys performance. That's a one-off, you know. Like, we can say, oh, it's just a one-off. We'll bounce back. But not this performance. You know, this is getting to the point where now, you know, um, we, we don't deserve to be in the top four. And, you know, we're just, we're an average team. And we just got lucky against Penrith and Storm. Like, how do you think Penrith fans feel? You know, they, we ruined their perfect record. See, that, that's where you're wrong. We didn't get lucky against Penrith and Melbourne, which makes it all the more frustrating. We, well, we, well, won definitely, definitely. We, okay. we won those okay, games. Okay, when I say, when I say lucky, I'm not talking about like lucky, like bounce the ball. I'm talking about like how did we bring out that performance as opposed to other performances, if that makes sense. Because it's, it's all about attitude. That, that is literally what Monday was about was attitude. This team has a blueprint to beat the best teams in the competition under adverse conditions, missing three quarters of your back line with huge calls going against you and the Nelson Sofa Solomon, a high shot Makatoa and that drop ball from Kikau. We won in those conditions in away games. On the, on the road constantly. And that's what makes Monday so bizarre is that we have a blueprint that we know beats the best. And yet we play the West Tigers and we play the Canterbury Bulldogs. And if we don't score in the first five minutes of the game when we have a bit of possession, we start panicking. We start going sideways. The hero ball starts coming out. Reed Money gets loose. We have players throwing dumb offloads left, right, and center. We've got Dylan Brown chipping for himself. It's like the wheels completely fall off because we think that we should be able to roll these teams and instead of rolling up the sleeves and going back to the fundamental football that this team is built to do, we are built to rumble through the middle and then go to the edges with our electric halves and Moses and Brown and carve teams up. And it works against the best teams and it doesn't work against the weak teams because we get lazy and we get sloppy and the attitude is piss poor. And it's the sort of thing where you point fingers from the top to the bottom down. Uh, you talk about preparation. You talk about the five days off from the bye. 
Um, it was something that Sixties mentioned to me when we were talking on the tip sheet that it, it is really disappointing that players came out that way because it means that you can't reward them in the future with days, like extra time off from the buyer for a good first half of the season because this is how they come out and perform. It, it is attitude. And I, I know people are upset about the coaches. No, you boys are upset about the coaches. But you look at what Mitch Moses said after the game and he is pointing the fingers at himself and his teammates because I think at the end of the day, my frustration is, like I said, we have the blueprint to beat any team in the competition. It just revolves around a little bit of hard work and they don't want to do it against the weak teams in the competition for whatever reason. It is maddening. Also, all right, look, we say it's, look, I'm, I, in my opinion, I don't think Brad Arthur can win us a comp. I just, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I feel as though he's taken us as far as he can because I put it this way. If this was Bellamy, Bellamy, you think the players will put in a shit performance or do you reckon, like, do you think the players fear Brad Arthur? Like, they actually are worried, oh, he might drop me this week or he might fire a rocket, you know, and like, I don't think, you know. I don't think Melbourne Storm players fear Craig Bell. When you listen to them talk about him, it, it's not fear. There, there's absolutely respect in the systems in place there and what he's achieved. And, and Arthur obviously hasn't achieved anything of what Bellamy's done. And, the, you know, he's, what, eight years in now, uh, I think it's fine to ask questions about whether he can take us all the way. I just think that for me, and this isn't a defensive Brad Arthur, it's more of an attack on the playing group. They they literally, it's not like they got smashed by the storm and Penrith and are looking for ways to win these easy games. They know how to win these games. There is literally 160 minutes of primo tape in our archives for them to go look at and say, okay, well, we had really adverse conditions. In the second half against Penrith, they dominated field position and territory. They had everything going against us, and we dug our heels in. We rolled our sleeves up. We worked hard for the ruck. Mitchell Moses hammered the ball downfield. We worked on our kick chase, and we, we turned the tide. And yet against the Bulldogs and the Tigers, they don't want to do it. It's, it, it is obviously a psychological issue for me. They're like I don't know why. I can't imagine that in terms of preparation they'd take, treat it any different. Like, obviously, you get up for the big games, but in terms of playing the dogs, the Tigers are not going to say, oh, it's the dogs, just, you know, go out there and, and throw the ball around, it's going to be easy. But the, the playing group seem to think so. So I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm happy for you to have that stance, Bertie, because, like I said, it's been eight years. And at some point, even though we've been very consistent for the majority of seasons on the offer, you do want to see a premiership. But I look at this game and I just say it's a player-driven issue. And it's clearly not a player talent issue, it's a player attitude issue. Yeah, definitely. And just going back to what we first started on there with Bertie saying getting lucky against Storm and and Penrith, I'd I'd just mirror your thoughts there, Forty. That you know, it's it is simply attitudinal as opposed to uh, whether or not there's talent or whether or not there's good enough coaching. But um, I guess coaching does come to it in one um, aspect of getting them ready for this bye week, um, getting yeah, them that, coming that, that's, back from that's the bye fair. week. I have no issues with that, and that is even sixties are talking about in the podcast is that obviously that the five days off backfired the the playing group for whatever reason, just came out lax. So, yeah, and, and I, I feel like we don't often come out of bias fired up. So I, I don't disagree with you there, mate. Yeah, and, and I didn't even just mean about the fired up. I, I mean, like, the first play, and, you know, we were calling in the Discord all week, um, uh, uh, that early kick from Burton to a running auto car on the outside, and to, to Simonson to not even be prepared for that, and, and the style of defence we played, we played really, really um, compressed and up and in. Um, it just shows, I, I think, uh, if if not a lack of preparation, a lack of attention to detail in the preparation, to not know that that player was going to come out at some point when they'd been scoring off the last three or four weeks. Like, that, that, that is completely fair. It's something we literally circled in the podcast. We said the storms, 
the Storm scored the exact same way. Uh, Monster kicked it to uh, Meany when we versed, and like it just, yeah, it's, I, that, I feel that, as though it's a defensive the one, structure. The one the Storm did was literally, it was the definition of a trick play. There was no tape on it that year. They clearly looked yeah. at the system and exploited it. The dogs had literally put it on tape the week before against us. They telegraphed that they're willing to kick early and aggressively for Addo Carr if you're going to play up and in. So, And I understand that you have faith in your defensive structures for the vast majority of play, but you also need to be cognizant that if the opposition are telegraphing something, you've got to be awake to it. And unfortunately, we didn't do whatever we did, the preparation, and then it, it, it went out the window because everything else went out the window in this game, I don't know. Uh, but that, that is something we obviously as fans aren't privy to. But God, it was frustrating to watch Addo Carr score. And look, th- this is a game where I don't think defensively the scoreline – uh, really told a story because the Eels, while they weren't great defensively, there was what two tries off uh, good kicks, including that one that was the the trick play, and then there were two yeah. intercept tries. So yeah, two length of the field intercepts. Like like, they, yeah. they are absolute backbreakers, and and you could just see the gas come out of the team after the uh, Reg, uh, in particular the Reg one, where he um, uh, Avarillo was always sweating on the intercept, but unfortunately, when you got a big prop forward running there, he's probably not the most. Uh, uh, what's it called? Well, uh, when you're looking at the corner of your eyes, you got the uh, peripheral vision going on there. You probably couldn't read the situation as well as like a, a, a half or something like that, and wouldn't throw the dummy. And that one's, I mean, at that point, you know, if we we come back and won, it would have been okay. But just the, the style of football we're playing was always going to be an ugly win, not one you'd be happy about. And obviously, it just didn't go that way. We just got rolled. And you know, it started with Tavita Pangai Jr., like you said, Bertie, coming in and, and being really aggressive to the point where he probably should have been Sinbin for that uh, prowler tackle on, was it Dylan Brown? The, I don't know. Who, uh, it, oh, it was, no, I, don't, I think it was, a, was it Nathan Brown. Nathan no. Brown, no, maybe. I don't know. He, he, he came in with a really ugly prowler tackle that, uh, that for me is an instant Sinbin. Uh, there's no place in the game for that, but it clearly disrupted the Eels because they just, they and I was saying at the 60s today, they were so passive. Like they just let, Pangai Jr. walk all over him, and then the rest of the dogs fed on it. Aaron Shop was allowed to shove Mitchell Moses to the ground when he was just trying to go get the football, and then our players kind of like came in and grabbed him and whatnot, and there, there was just no fire. And See, That's yeah. the problem. Like, they know teams are going to come out and give it to us. Like, you look at the Sharks, their first game back to Shark Park. They, you know, they come and bash us. They ran hard. You know, like, the Tigers, to a degree, they came out, and, you know, they, their, their defense line was fast. Like, the teams know to stop us, you're going to stop our forwards, you're going to rush. So, like, they got to learn to like uh, adjust to it, like you know um, the Penrith game. I know we said I said we got lucky. I mean, like we we started doing those um, those unders and shifted defense. Like I just I feel as though they've got one plan: just run hard. And the plan B is run harder and run plans. Like it just there's no adjustment to the game plan. And I just I feel as though we're sort of sitting ducks, you know, for, for to a degree if we come up against a big firing pack. So. It's just a bit frustrating. But the, the, that's where I disagree because we were literally in those games against Canberra, against Penrith, against Melbourne. We were in those situations where our pack was losing the first half but rolled their sleeves up. It's just it, it seems that the mentality against a good team is there to do it, just against these shit teams that don't want to do it. And and I don't know. Like I, I cannot tell you why. It doesn't make sense. Like uh, and, and it's clearly the difference between us and and Penrith and Melbourne, where they will tear into their core game plan every week. And obviously, they'll have adjustments to their opponents and whatnot, because that's what good teams do. But fundamentally, they play the same football week in and week out, because they trust their structures, and they're committed to them. And for whatever reason, we're committed to them against the good teams, but not against the other teams. And that that is a complete 180 from where we were a couple of years ago, where we were being accused of being flat-track bullies, where we would roll teams like the Bulldogs and the West Tigers but then come up against the big three or four teams competition and could never get a consistent performance in. And with whatever we've changed, we're now 
you know, really good against the big teams, you know, even that loss against the, the Roosters where we started a bit messy, we got into gear and played 60 minutes of quality football to nearly run them down. But against the shit teams, we are just clearly taking it for granted. And I, I don't know how or why, because it's, it's just so bizarre. You'd think there'd be, when your ceiling's way up in the sky, because that's where it is and you can beat Penrith in Melbourne, you'd think you'd be raising your floor a bit too to make sure you can knock off these teams, even if it's not always pretty, but we're not doing that. And it is like an enigma wrapped in a riddle, whatever you want to call it, when you you talk about those just unexplainable, inexplicable things. I, I, I cannot tell you why. It is so frustrating. Yep, you're exactly right. It's just that inattention to detail yeah. when you're coming up against a team that you should roll and things should come easy. And when they don't, um, the backup plan uh, is to, to spread it wide and not to go back up under under the I middle. Know, and I, I can understand that, okay, we make a few mistakes in the first 10, 15 minutes when we're a bit, we're a bit disrupted. Okay, we, we've hurt ourselves. Just get back to basics. We don't need Bailey Simonson trying to throw an offload amongst three or four tackles that gets batted back. We don't need Reed Marnie kicking for himself in a line dropout with 20 seconds on the clock. Like, that is the the epitome of, like, negative football IQ. And I, it's just, it's like, you've got a huge forward pack. Roll them. You've got two dynamic halves. Let the, the forwards set the tone and then let your halves attack. And it's just crazy that once things go to, uh, well, shit or just bad – that everyone wants to be a hero. Yeah, I'm getting sick of the uh, um, short side plays from Reed Marty ignoring Moses and like I just the just the, the Reed Marty over calling of Mitchell Moses it's got to come to a head at some point. Like, well, now we know why we didn't we couldn't kick a field goal. It's because he was playing hero ball. Like he just that's and and we're gonna talk about the team. Like that's why I feel as though Brad Arthur needs to fire a rocket and like don't pretty much. There's some players in this team that think oh, I'm guaranteed to be named this week. Oh, he won't say he won't drop me. I'm the star player. Oh, he won't drop me. I'm important. And I feel as though he needs to send a message out to everyone. Your job is not 100 percent guarantee. Like I, we know where certain I, players I, are, but certain players I, I just feel as though I, I called for Reed to even be dropped or put to the bench this week, but with the caveat that a five day turnaround sort of complicates the issue uh, because you know you, you, ideally when you make a big change like that, you have a chance to get a few training sessions in. The Eels only have one training session this week against the Roosters. And that worked out okay against Penrith, I think it was. We only had the one session. So maybe we come out and play some great football. But that doesn't, again, solve the issue of why we're playing bad against bad teams. Because the Roosters are a good team. See, we only make changes right now because of injury. Like, And I'm not saying... Uh, like, like, there's no changes due to poor form or poor um, play. That's what I'm trying to say. And I feel as though... If I don't know, I'm, look, I'm doomsday birdie right now because I'm just I'm just seeing these these guys are playing hero ball, they're playing poor, I get mean, rewarded. I look at the guys that had bad games against the Bulldogs, and Bailey Simonson's been very good, so you sort of forgive him for a bad game. Obviously, Dylan Brown's been mm. outstanding. He had a like I, I don't know what happened to Dylan. Two drop balls, cold, nearly frozen intercept, uh, and then chip kicks for himself. Like that, that was like completely out of character for him. I think he's still injured. I think in our physio said he, if he if we we're playing last week, he would have missed that week as well. So he might be still injured with his ankle. Like uh, he did get ratted by um Tavita yeah, got, as got, well got, in the first couple of seconds. Yeah, uh, Murata obviously had that bad pass down the short side. We don't usually see him ball playing mm-hmm. like that. And even if he found Bowie Simons, and I think uh, Adokar was going to bundle him to touch anyway. And then uh, then off the bench, I think uh, I was saying again to sixties, if you're not Ryan Madison, I think you are your spot is up for grabs at this point. I, th- yeah. I think another thing I just want to touch on on coaching is that bench startup and, and the bench rotation. I, th- this Isaiah Papali at lock um, experiment, I think, needs to end. I think we need to go back to where we were at the beginning of the year, except in place of Nathan Brown, you pop Ryan Madison at lock, Isaiah Papali on his edge, Miranda Nakore comes off the bench to add the punch. Um, you know, I, know I, I think that's pretty simple. Yeah, no issues. 
And yep. I, I've got no I, issues with that. I, I understand the theory behind not starting Madison and letting the other forwards soak up that initial window and let him come in on that second rotation to dominate. But it's, yeah, I think he could equally work well as a starting lock. I've got no problems with the way you set up the back row and interchange Hamish. And, and I think when we, we were touching on it before, you know, this is a team that needs to start fast um, to really get into the grind of things and, and get moving. So, you know, if you bring him on at the 20-minute mark and we're already down a couple of tries, this team hasn't shown that it can turn it around. So start with your best cards on the team, uh, on the um, on the field and, and go from there. And, you know, if you're bringing Murata Niakore off the bench, he's always been an impact uh, edge forward or middle forward. He can play those sort of minutes or, you know, he's centre cover for out wide. Um, Nathan Brown, while he's lacked a lot of punch this year, um, he's still somebody who can come on and, and run the ball hard. Uh, Oregon Kafusi, you know, I don't think we've seen his best this year. And then Makahesi Makatoa, he only got about 12 minutes on the weekend. So, yeah, I'd, 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 yeah. Watching reserve grade, there was nobody except yeah, maybe Rock and Rod. Yeah, who was exactly. Sort of it was obviously a up. terrible week for guys to, to not put their hands up because if uh, if you had a standout performance, maybe you could force your way in. But on the weight of their or body of their work across the season, I think Rodwell and and probably Ogden are two guys that deserve a look in. Given that it's now past that uh, week eleven or around the eleven window, and you can activate second tier players without any sort of issue. Um, yeah, Ogden at least if you're going to, and we know this isn't the quote-unquote issue when you've got two great starting props in Reg and Junior who admittedly didn't have great games uh, by their standards on Monday, but you've got two big starting props that play big minutes. That means that just by maths, your bench guys are getting shorter looks. And if you're getting shorter looks, you probably want higher impact guys, which is why I think that Ogden can be one of those guys. And if you need a guy to soak minutes up, I think Rodwell brings that. He's shown that in Cup he can consistently go over 200 metres or high 100-metre totals with 30-plus tackles at high efficiency rates. And he's also got a, a, a good end, like not just, you know, he's not Aiden Tolman stat patter. He's also got some quality to his work. And I think we saw against the Bulldogs he was playing a bit on the edge too. So the versatility is there to cover edge and middle. So last thoughts on that game. Looking ahead for the draw, uh, 20th of August is the rematch against Bulldogs at Combank Stadium. And if the boys don't have that circled in oh, their calendar, um, there's just, something Just give it up. Just literally just give the season up, like honestly. Uh, the, the, I mean, that is the definition of a revenge game. Well, the way the, fa- the Bulldogs fans are carrying on, like I'm fucking pissed off. For, like, I hate them more now than Tigers fans. Like They're carrying on like they've won the grand final. You know, post- grand final, buddy. They've been out in the wilderness is, for the what no, last no, eight years no or joke. so. This is that is the most fired up they've played in about five years. Mm. Like that, it's, that, that's their best win in about five years. Yeah. And and I think we can all recall back in the 2011, 2012, 2013 days. You know, you you knock off a, a team that you shouldn't beat, and, and you, you know it's piss funny. Yeah. And, and and you do carry on. So you know, good times for the Bulldogs and fans on the weekend. You're still going to end up with a spoon um, for the yeah. second year in a row. Know, and the next tight, year, the you know, are making it a pretty um, close race. So. Like, like the amount of hate, like Moses copying, saying, "Oh, our burden's like way better than him," just for one game, like. It's I every get, single time. Like, yeah. any time Moses has a subpar game, or even in this, I wouldn't say he was subpar. Like, the the not putting the try-downs in it. That, that was embarrassing, but he was literally the only player in our spine that looked like he gave a shit. He was actually That's exactly right. So, he was somebody that was trying the whole game, and I think you'd want to throw out the other three spine players before him. 100%. But it's just the reputation that he has in the NRL, and it's never going to change because, you know, have a look at West fans now with them. Um, uh, with the Luciano Leilua, you know, they were talking him up as the best second row in the yeah, game and last year. Genius. And he, then this year, he's, he's yeah. shit and he's tanking as well, yeah. even though he's coming back from injury. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you don't have to look far, and I, I wouldn't listen to much from other teams. I don't often say, boys, 
given how much it can be a detriment to the team. But maybe in a bizarre way, maybe the five day turnaround is what this team needs. There's no time. I think to- it is. They have come out um, after poor losses this year yeah. and in years past. There's, so that's there's what no, I, no time uh, to dwell on on what went wrong because spoilers, everything went wrong, and they can just focus on the Roosters, focus on you know recovering and, and getting back to top shape for whatever they can in that five day window, and then go play some football. And like I said to you before, Bertie, it's actually frustrating that we're playing a good team in the Roosters because it means we're not going to get an answer. Even if we have a bad loss against the Roosters, it's not an answer to the question that's dogging this team in that why can't we beat bad teams? Because the, Roost- the Roosters are still a good team. So you've got to wait until God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we could we could beat you know Roosters comfortably. And I'm still in my head, I'm thinking, uh, you pricks got this, you know, the Bulldogs game stuck in my head, you know, like he, he, everything went, went well this week, you know, like the, you yeah, know, the so passes were hidden, hidden good. Like until we we come up against a lower tier team. Well, it's, um, it's Roosters. Then we're all right. The Rabbitohs, who have been a, a sort of trouble team for us, regardless of how good or bad they are. Then we've got West coming up against West, it, West we? and Warriors is the two game stretch there. After that, where there are no excuses, you come yeah. out there and you win convincingly. I think is the is the absolute goal. Like, I, like I'd like us to be like a Melbourne Storm team where we don't show mercy. Right, we literally just go I, for the throat. We don't I, care I, if we're up I by agree. fifty or sixty. That that is what is so maddening about this team this year is that their standards when they when they're performing to them mean that they're one of the best teams competition, but they just don't want to go out there and do the work week in week out that Penrith and the Storm are doing, and that's yeah. why that's why they are so consistently great is that they are relentless and ferocious. They apply their standards almost. I mean, it's not like they kind of a bad game. We saw it was against the Titans. I think Penrith played really ugly football and still ended up winning by a try or two. But by and large, for ninety plus percent of their games, they they apply their standards with prejudice, not just diligence, but prejudice. They are so psychotic about getting to their benchmarks. And that's where the Eels need to be. Like that that is to not just win a premiership, but to be a consistent premiership force is what they need to do. All right, well let's just have a look back at that draw because we didn't do our half yearly um our, our half yearly quell. Um, but having a look at it, that there has been some convincing wins and some very unconvincing wins <laughs> this season. Um, and obviously, if you look at it, the Storm and the Panthers uh, away from home, obviously they sort of stand out. Um, whilst it was only by two points against the Panthers, it was a very late try by Penrith um, that saw it come up to within two. Um, but then I guess 24-28, that was right on full time for, for the Eels. Did we go into extra time of that game? Against the Storm? Yeah. Yes, yeah, Ray Stone scored the yeah. winning try. It yeah. was in extra time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. We had Sean Lane charge down a field goal. Uh, recovered by Reed Money, I want to say, and then yeah, in extra time, sure, it was a Moses field goal attempt that just shaved the right post, and then Stony charged through. Um, but then having a look around that, you know, there's been some eighteen six backs went eighteen sixteen Sharks first game at their new stadium, um, and they in that early part of the season were actually a pretty feared team. Now it's sort of gone away a little bit. Um, Titans unconvincing by four points and then that second game by six points really should have won bigger uh, against the Dragons punished them almost 50 points 21-20 against the West Tigers very unconvincing game 39-2 over the Knights absolutely smashed them and then the floggings against coming from the Cowboys uh, close loss against the Roosters that game could have gone either way uh, the close win against the Seagulls game could have gone either way and then the win over the Raiders, I thought we were in control for yeah, most I, of that. I, I, although. I think that's a fair summation that while the other games, you could argue there could have been a different result. I think the eight-point scoreline probably doesn't do justice to how controlled that second-half effort was. Um, but that's it. They've just got to get back to that actual grind. And, and they've got a big, uh, you know, a 
uh, hurdle to, to overcome this weekend. They, they lost to the Roosters, what, by seven points earlier in the year. Again, I just said before, that was up at Suncorp Stadium, uh, Magic Round. Uh, but they'll be playing at home and they'll have the six sick beats of DJ Havana Brown. So um, they re- they better be uh, ready for it. Um, it does set us up for the rest of the year. We've got seven home games and only four away. So it's sort of like, um, you know, we haven't, we haven't played at home for a while and it, it, sets, it sets us up, you know, to get back to home, get our crowd, you know, um, behind us and essentially uh, make it a fortress. And, yeah, I expect I, us to there, go seven and zero. There, there is a whole lot of reasons to be positive about that second half of the season, but by the same token, the the team just give you that nagging doubt, don't they? Like the good faith that they lost on Monday, it cannot be understated because it wasn't a, a a tough loss, it wasn't a bad loss, it was a catastrophic loss, and we've been we've been pumped by teams like Melbourne and Roosters, and then even Manly last year when we were going really we had that really bad stretch up in Queensland. Uh, they put us through by 50, I think. And we obviously bounced back from that to play some good football, some great football even. But, mate, just the we've had games where other teams have been red hot, the bounce of the ball's been against us, and, you know, you, you get overrun. But I, I just can't recall a complete lack of effort like that. And it, It's been a while. Yeah. It, it, you know, going back to some real dark times. So, I don't know. Like I said, maybe the five-day turnaround is a blessing in disguise. They can't dwell on it. You purge that game from your memory. And you get to work because that—that that is all you can ask from him now. Is you got to start rebuilding, rebuild the faith, rebuild the momentum, and then get into that second half of the season with, like you said, Bertie, seven home games and start making some noise. And with that, so eleven games left, four of them against teams that are um, ahead of us on on, on the table. Um, so Broncos twice in there, Storm and Panthers. Uh, for all teams that are presently in the top four, we don't have to play Cowboys again. Um, but looking at it, it's it's not the easiest draw, you know. Um, if we want to win, uh, if we want to get to top four from here, it's um, really going to have to win all those games that we should be winning, and then pick up one or two against teams that are presently above us. Yeah, like like I reckon we'll go seven and win win your home games, and then you know jag one or two away games. But other than that, um, hey, it seems like every year we got a hard draw, or we you know we never have an easy draw, easy issue. It, it actually so. is kind of crazy because the higher up in the ladder you finish, the easier draws meant to be. And yeah. uh, the other high-position teams got relatively benign draws, but I think we finished up with, like, a top three strength of schedule draw again. So yeah. we, we see, like, at the beginning of the year, like, we have Broncos twice, so everyone's thinking, oh, Broncos are probably a bottom four team. They're, they're not going to be, you know, a bottom two team, probably, like, a bottom eight team. But they're in the top four now, so yeah, it looks different. And we also threw a game away by taking the uh, Cowboys to Darwin. That one arm really backfired badly, so, Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's no point looking at the past. Look forward now, boys. 100%. Um, so the buy is done. So it's a straight run here. Uh, there is – is it a global buy? Yeah, it'll be a global for buy origin? Uh, for Origin 2. Correct. So, um, because it's when the, does uh, that come up? Pacific, oh, that's after this weekend. Okay. Pacific Nations test matches as well. So that's a that's right. fun, fun and exciting weekend of footy there because I think uh, Tonga, Samoa – is it sorry? Yeah, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji – New Zealand, the Bati, Fiji Bati, and the Cook Islands, I want to say. Maybe I've got too many teams there. But the today, Tonga and New Zealand announced pretty good-looking lineups, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, well, let's just get to that. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to bring up the news um, for the players that were named. Um, so, Penasini, obviously named in the Tonga squad. Um, Kiwis, so uh, Dill Brown finally gets that call up, um, as well as Mirada Niakore, and who's the other one for the And Ice, Zai Papali'i. So, he's already got, I'm pretty certain he's already got a cap with New Zealand there. 
So it's good to see Dylan and Murata break through for their maiden call-ups to the test squad there. I think uh, Murata's been really badly done by in terms of timing. He's had some injuries and suspensions that have ruled him out in recent years, I'm pretty certain. Um, and for Dill, it was literally just a matter of time. I know that he's coming off a, a season-worst game, but he's been so, so good. And I think they're talking about him partnering Jerome Hughes because Kieran Foran's in the squad too, but indication from reporters was that it's going to be seven Hughes, six Brown, which is a pretty good pairing, actually, when, I, when you look at it. Yeah, definitely. I I'd, um, I think um, when you're looking at Hughes, he's probably up there in top five halfbacks yeah, in the game. Yeah, definitely. Moment, he he so. sort of sneakily crept his way up the rankings there, and he's just a epitome of consistency for the Melbourne Storm. And he's... Uh, if you're... There you go, Sorry, there you go. I, was, I was going to say, if you're Brad Arthur, what do you do to the players not not picked? Are, are we, like, we're not going to give a break again. Are you flog, yeah, not flogging them by I, you? I, like, I, think, I think that's right. Yeah, the, they're training. You you've shown that you can't. That the, you did not repay the faith given to you for that break. So you rock up and you train as if you're playing. You don't have to get absolutely hammered, but you're going to be training. I'm curious to see what they do with their film uh, reviews. You know, like like how like how much emphasis do they do it? Because like. You know, we see the replays and we see, like, you know, where they're going to work on. Like, do you feel as though they, like, they do a lot of replay work, a lot of film work, or is it, like, less, like, I, I, I wasn't I, how intense it is. I, I would love to, not just for the Paramount Reels, but just go across different teams at different tiers to have a understanding of what is separating different teams in the preparation when it comes to teams like the Storm and Panthers uh, versus, you know, mid-table teams or rising teams like the Cowboys and the Broncos down to, you know, the, the more filth eaters like the... Tigers and, and dogs. You know, I, I say that knowing that they've beaten us, but they still suck. And just seeing like how these different teams approach that sort of thing, because that is fascinating insight. Uh, but it's obviously something that's completely in a sanctum for all those teams, and you're almost never going to get any sort of indication as to how they prepare for that sort of thing. Because yeah, it's, it's it's a very interesting question, Bertie. Uh, I, I would love to know what the Eels do in terms of video preparation, self scouting, all those sort of things. All right, just looking at those internationals. So New Zealand playing Tonga, uh, Samoa, Cook Islands, and then PNG Fiji. Um, so that's all next week, and we'll um, we'll do some preview there. But that's the Super Saturday, three games in a row, two out at Campbelltown Sports Stadium. Um, all right, well, let's jump into some previews now. So let's have a first look at um, – I'll start with Flag, uh, which is Saturday, 18 June, 3 p.m. at Kellyville Park. Um, the Eels taking on the Roosters. Um, so just having a look in that. Uh, Josh Chappell, Ethan Sanders in the halves. Um, I won't go through the full team list, but – it seems pretty um pretty consistent, should I say, um, uh, team list uh, yeah, for so once. The, so the big change this week, uh, Jabril moves from 5'8 to centres, which I think is probably a better position for him in the context of the flag. Chapel will give a, a nice sort of controlling edge to that, uh, to both sides of the field with him and Sanders both being competent uh, halfbacks in that regard. Um, change of dummy half. Oh, I say change of dummy half. I'm pretty certain this is how they ran out against the Dogs because Dave Tilly... I think dropped out of that team and we saw Jake Custo, who I believe is son of Ben Custo, uh, play that game. So otherwise it's a by and large the same team that beat the Dogs. And they uh, fell, I think, by seven points to the Roosters earlier in the year. Roosters leading the competition in the Jersey flag and um, that was yep. a tough loss for them. They they, they battled hard, but uh, just let the game slip away. How has um, Kamalafi been since he's gone back to good. Jersey flag? Good, yeah. Uh, oh, he, he, I say demotion, but obviously that was just a case of NRL and New South Wales Cup both getting healthy, pushing him back down. But um, I, I thought prior to the New South Wales Cup stint, I wouldn't say he was cruising in flag, but I don't think he was going as good as we knew he could be. And he went up to that cup uh, in that stint and scored a whole stack of tries and, and did really well and came back and he's carting the ball up effectively, defending strongly and still scoring a whole swag of tries. So uh, he's got the Midas touch at the moment. 
Definitely. All right, well, let's look into the women's uh, Harvey Norman New South Wales Premiership, which will see the Wente Magpies taking on the West Tigers Saturday 18th of June at Ringrose Park. So um, another tough um, ask for the Wente um, team. Uh, let's just have a look at the draw there. So West are coming fifth. They've had three wins, three losses, but of course Wente still on the duck egg. So... Um, let's see if they can turn things around this week. And then jumping over to reserve grade, which will see the Eels taking on the Bears. So the Bears in fourth position, Eels in fifth in the New South Wales Cup. Um, that was the other news we didn't touch on, Jordan Rankin. Yeah, captain uh, coach. Yeah, which, um, but won't be suiting up this week. <laughs> you know, he got the dodgy hammy out of that game against Bulldogs. And it is worth mentioning that he has been captain coach, I think, pretty much ever since Kidwell the part of the club. I think he's not acting alone. I'm pretty certain the other NRL assistant coaches and pathway coaches have given him all the assistance he requires. But all the good wins that we've banked since uh, Kidwell left, he's been the driving force behind it. So it's not like the loss against the Bulldogs was because he's captain coach. Uh, he's been doing that for a bit now. All right, well, let's have a look at this team list, which we'll see. Hayes Paramount fullback, so he looks to recover. Naiduki, Sean Russell on the wing. Zach Cheney and Tom Opchich in the centres. Jack Williams and Jake Arthur in the halves. Hoffie Ogden and Wiramu Gregg at prop. Mitch Rain at hooker. Ellie Elza Cam and Bryce Cartwright in the second row. And Kyde Rock. Well, at Rock and Rodwell, sorry, at lock. Then Luke Bain, Tavita, Tom Penu. Sam Loizu and Brendan Hands on the interchange bench. So Brendan Hands has he been deputising, playing a bit more hooking of a hooking role? He was playing a bit of halves for a while. Yeah, he's sort of just been Mister Fix It for this team. Um, so he sort of just goes where the team needs him at the moment. I think it's primarily backing up at dummy half, but he'll play small ball lock forward, or if something goes wrong in the halves, he'll be in there too. So I'm pretty certain his primary role now is covering for Mitch Rain. So it'll be good to see him get uh, a chance to play a bit of dummy half. Um, but he's been pretty solid. Uh, good to see Sam Loizu back. I know he played last week, but he was uh, out prior to that, and so he scored that try, and he's looking all right. Um, he's uh, he looks a bit bigger. Like, yeah, I remember when he made his debut. He's starting to fill out. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. definitely got. He, he was definitely one of those guys that had the rangier frame as a young kid, and he's starting to grow into it. And so he's got he's got the potential to be one of those sort of valuable hybrid sort of centre back roles that we see so popular in the NRL these days. I mean, we have got one in Murata near Kore in the NRL team, and look, I know Murata brings obviously the the edge of been an enforced to the roster too, but just having a guy that can cover those positions is really valuable. So it's good to see Samuel playing some good football out there. Um, he was rock solid in the centres, and I think he's just been bumped out of there because Sini's been really good, and obviously Tom Opachuk is an NRL caliber player. So you know, just the the equation means he gets bumped to the bench. But yeah, aside from that, it's still a good looking forward pack. Uh, back line still pretty handy. You know, Naiduki's not too bad. Russell's obviously NRL prospect, and Hayes Perham has been very good at fullback this year and playing there. But they're taking on a team that beat them pretty comfortably earlier in the year, and it was during the midst of that injury crisis. But the Bears accounted for them pretty comfortably. And looking at that team, I can see some big hitters. Yeah, just uh, just on that team, has the cheese gone there early? There's a Sandon Smith named it <laughs> number seven. Just give, all, yeah. all I can think just about is uh, Simpsons Homer with the mustache. Yeah, I was about to say, given the the what is it? Uh, guess who? Sort of uh, disguised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, Adam Kieran's a very good backline utility. Paul Morovsky's obviously a, a very good back. Naguama's still got a bit of gas in the tank, so that backline's got some good names in it. And then Terrell May's been one of the upstart front roles in this competition. He's played a bit of NRL recently, but he's been uh, very, very good for the Bears, and I'm pretty certain he's related to the uh, Penrith Maze. I think he's a brother. Okay, cousin or something. 
Um, yeah, so they'll have their hands full. Uh, but that's the Curtain Roads are down at Combank Stadium, so Paramount Stadium, 5.10 p.m. Down, get down there for the Curtain Razor, and then on to the main action, 7.35 p.m. So the headliner on Super Saturday, Eels taking on Roosters Combank Stadium for the Eels. Clint Gutherson at fullback, Maker Sebo, Blake, uh, sorry, Bailey Simonson on the wings, Will Penasini and Wanga Blake in the centres, Dill Brown, Mitch Moses, Harves. Starting forward pack is RCG, Junior Paul, Paolo, sorry, Reed Marnie at hooker, Sean Lane, Marad Nikore in the second row as I properly named at lock, Makatoa, Madison, Kafusi, Brown on the ext- uh, on the interchange bench rather, and the extended bench is Opacic, Arthur, Cartwright, Rodwell, and Sean Russell. Then looking to the Roosters, Tedesco and at fullback, and Tupo and Suwali on the wings, Billy Smith, Joseph Manu in the centre, Sam Walker, Kiri in the halves. Then the forwards, Lindsay Collins, CSI, Takiaho, and Sam Beryls in at hooker. Then the second row is Angus Crichton, Satili Tupanua, Nat Butcher at lock. Bench is Connor Watson, Drew Hutchinson, Egan Butcher, Fletcher Baker. Extended bench is Lachlan Lamb, Saluka Fafita, Paul Momorowski, Ter- Terrell May, and Adam Keegren. And then the match officials, Todd Smith, Drew Ultram as the touchy, and John Stone also as the touchy, and Grant Atkins as the senior review official. Just looking at that lineup for the Roosters, that's probably full strength. Very close to, I think, is Billy Smith their first choice centre? I think he is because he's been so injured. So he would be there over um, Paul Momorowski. Yes, they would have named Momorowski. That's right. right. So it would have been sort of coach's pick between Smith and Momorowski. So that is ostensibly the full strength Roosters outfit, which is, oh, uh, at uh, lock forward, Victor, he's not playing. That's the only. um, Would he really be there? Well, (laughs) that that is a fair point because Butch has actually been pretty good for him. Uh, that that is a fair point, but yes, that that is a very healthy Roosters outfit. Even if there are some questions about the headspace of Sam Walker and Luke Curry after the concussions that they well, Sam Walker was cleared to play that game despite getting absolutely reamed into the ground, and uh, Luke Curry, who for his history of concussions, is somehow been cleared to play. So I don't know. That's a. Uh, I mean, and I say that as the Roosters being like the Eels, one of the few teams that seem to take concussions pretty seriously. So if they've been named to play, maybe they have passed all the protocols. Um, yeah, uh, this is a... Yeah, I think you'd t- trust trust the Roosters. They're the, yeah, like, one of the only teams that have taken it very uh, seriously. I think us and the Roosters are literally the two of the only teams that would, in a game, would like actually bench, uh, or I say bench, but fail uh, a key playmaker because of concussions. It feels like if it's a, a, a prop or a centre, other teams will be like, okay, you can fail and it's no dramas, but if it's a playmaker, they're like, no, no, you've passed. And I, I know that we've had Quinton Gufferson fail HIAs in the past, and um, I think maybe Dill Brown too. So, Moses failed one last year against the Sharks. That's right. That is right. Yep, exactly. Mitch Moses did fail one against the Sharks. Good call, Birdie. So, yeah, uh, like like you said, uh, Hamish, maybe not the right team to question the validity of a concussion uh, uh, Tom Fawry. But, yeah, that's a good Roosters outfit. And, you know, we know that they match up pretty well against us uh, in terms of recent history. Uh, I thought we played pretty well against them for the vast majority of the game when we met in Magic Round. But that slow start really crippled us. Uh, Reg, Reg getting bamboozled by uh, Jared Weir Hargraves is uh, going to be a hard one for him to live down. Thankfully, the big unit's not playing for the Roosters. Um, but yeah, they're still going to be very, very tough to beat. Um, I don't know. This is a game where I, I look at so many games now and I just look at that. Sh- we talked about the, the blueprint that we have. If we just play that football, I am so confident that we could beat any of these teams. 
The question is, can we play that football? I don't know. That's the biggest question, isn't yeah. it? I guess um, you'd be a bit more optimistic with our wings, with Simonson and Sebo, yeah. as opposed to Hayes Perham last time. So Hayes, Hayes Perham a bit of a bath. Got, got picked on, yeah. They, they did a good job isolating him up against Suwali. And Mike is not exactly an aerial superstar, but he should at least get up there and, and maybe spoil some contests. And we actually, in saying that, I thought he did a couple of good takes against the Bulldogs. There was a couple of big uh, leaping takes, so maybe... Yeah, for his first game back in first grade, he, he did come forward onto the ball a couple of times and he didn't spill his lollies. I think yeah. I'm more worried about um, Gutherson. He's been a bit wobbly, yeah, um, although he did yeah. drop one last week. So Yeah, and uh, Burton put some big ones up there because we didn't want to do... We didn't talk about it. We didn't want to pressure any kicks. Yeah, kick chase needs to be a lot better that, this week. That was okay. awful. And, oh, yeah, got, got the uh, heebie-jeebies just thinking of that one. But yeah, I mean, I look at our team. And I know we talk about we want to see change on players that are out of form. We talk about Reed Mining and the bench, and I think that's fair in the bigger picture outside of this week, but that five-day turnaround complicating issues, this is, I think, the last call for some of these players. Like, if you don't put up and perform this week, then you, the demotions need to start happening. Whether it's, you know, Reed to the bench or bench forwards to Reggie's and then bringing up the other guys that we were speaking about, uh, you've got to go out there and you've got to perform as an individual, as a team this week. There, there are no excuses. Bernie? Hear your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, the Roosters, that's a big one to five. That's a very tall back line. So, like, you know, expect them to um, just kick, you know, crossfield kicks essentially, and they'll be practicing the, AF- the AFL marks all week. But, um, yeah, look, I'm confident they're four pack. Like, I know Jared, Jared's their leader, but, you know, he's just, he's, he's sort of average. And funny enough, he scored against us. But in terms of his meters and, like, the his input, like, it, it's not as, it's not like a junior Paolo level or even reg so i feel like our pack should t- should take care of their pack um you know we should test out verils his defense you know with his shoulders but um it's just their back line you know like a joey manu like if you look at it he likes he's like the roaming fullback essentially he you know he gets in, in the dummy half and he makes plays happen and um you know Sawali's is just a you know brilliant finisher so i'm confident um it, it, you know and our bench you know we've got a bigger bench they've got like they've got a um you know, they've got to lock Connor Watson there and they've got to back up half and Hutchinson. I feel as though we can outrun them and outgrind them, but you gotta you gotta start, you know, you gotta start off the you know, pound the rock essentially. I don't think they can do that. I feel as though um if the roosters come out firing, you know, high speed line, you know, we might be in a bit of trouble. But uh yeah, just you know, just just be prepared. As Brad Arthur always says, you know, we, we ran away from the collisions, just chase after them. I, I, you know? I know that's a great point, but I think this team almost needs a bit of adversity in this game. Like they need to get into a little bit of a hole and then look themselves in the mirror and say, all right, we can do this. Because I think if they come out and just steamroll the Roosters or have a good win against the Roosters, yeah, everyone gets pumped up. But I don't think it, it addresses some of the core issues that are undermining this team psychologically. I'd, I'd love to see them have to deal with that sort of adversity in this game. And obviously, I'd, li- I'd love to see a big win, but I, I don't want them to do it easy. You know what I mean? As weird as that sounds, I think if they do it easy, that they can start. it allows them to mentally paper over some of the cracks. Defense is to fire up. We need, we need to start putting, you know, Driving the shoulders in, the, especially their you know tackle one to three, they're going to have a lot of the outside backs help them out, you know, Penrith style. So if we we going to start, you know, putting up the brick wall and you know put a bit of grunt in our defense because lately people are just teams are just running right through us. So get out there, get aggressive, and don't be afraid to throw your body body around. Yep, that's you know it's a pretty simple game plan, isn't it? Go back to what works. <laughs> Interesting um, subtext of this game. Um, I know we didn't mention the news because it's not really a, a full news story, but there were reports this weekend that uh, in the event of Ryan Madison taking up an offer with the Gold Coast, or Gold Coast, the Dolphins, sorry, they're not Gold Coast, they're Red Quiff, the Dolphins, uh, apparently the Eels are looking at Angus Crichton as our backup option. So, interesting to see how old our uh, nine fingers goes, or nine and a half fingers. 
Yeah, I feel as though even if Maddo stays, we still need a back rower. Like, so I feel as though we should be targeting Crichton or um, anyone, essentially, whether or not Maddo's here. Like, I know we've got the young Panther guy coming, Hopgood coming, but we still need um, a starter next year. Like, like I, I don't know if you guys are sold on Sean Lane. Like, I'm not saying he's having a bad year, but, you know, I don't if, want him to get complacent, Lane, you know. If Lane yeah. keeps playing the way he's playing, I'll be fine with that. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not a contract year for him, so maybe we can get even better at him next year. So, who knows? But yes. like I feel so sorry. I feel so like 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 we should be a team where as soon as the players off contract or available, we have to at least inquire. Don't be like, no, nah, we're okay. We're we're all with this. Just inquire because you never know what's going to happen. Like the Roosters do it to everyone that's off contract. You know, Cooper Cronk, he was available. They had Mitchell Pierce. They end up getting him. Like it feels like we ha- anyone that's free, just 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 send out an inquiry. You know, that's fair. Yeah, I yeah, think definitely. I think that's good front office work in that uh, if you're a highly competitive team, obviously you're not going to be signing everyone that comes to market, but you need to be in on the, the dealings of every player that comes to the market that meets your criteria as a, whether it's at the threshold of an elite player or the threshold of one of those project guys that we think we can turn into a very good player. So yeah, absolutely. That, that is, I got no issues with that, Bertie. Well, definitely for Crichton, you know, he's off contract. There's been a bit, bit of a battle there with Roosters. Um, obviously, we're a bit lacking in second rollers unless we're hoping for some players to really stand up next well, season we, um, from reserve grade. We, so. we saw a funny quote from Viliami Kiko about the Bulldogs. So <laughs> yes. maybe, maybe, maybe there is some water to pass under those bridges still. Who knows? Uh, I know. They, we're, we're, have they ever announced his signing? Have they still not no, they announced, announced him? And um, I think there was some speculation that there was up to six West Tigers players or signees that have potential uh, key man clauses. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that the Eel is going to be getting any backflips happening, but it, it just adds that extra layer of intrigue to the uh, coming weeks and months. Yeah, it does. I don't think they know who even took out, who leaked that photo of the kick out and got schooled. I think they got other It was definitely already. Bulldogs that did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, quite. And it's cool just being a pest to his old club. Yeah, so. 100%. It's. Yeah. Uh, Yes, it was. It was all the security guard who took from supposed photos on his camera from the security footage. Like, come on, you've got to be kidding me! Um, just curious, right? How many um, how many spots do we have free at the moment? Like, in case that we have a mid season transfer or mid season, we, we, per- we were pegged at twenty eight. I want to say. Um, hang on, let me see. I'll just go to the NRL signings portal, and that should let us know how many players are contracted for top thirty this year. I'm just curious. You know, you know, we've got one or two. Like. Maybe you never know. Some player might get upset. You we, know, we have shown in the past that we are happy to keep our sort of powder dry for a pickup. Um, I know as a particular player, ninety nine percent of the fan base don't want, but at least we're looking at someone. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel so. I, I feel, look to be honest. I feel as though we need. I don't think we can get a backup hooker at the moment. I don't think there's I anyone think you know, available. But I feel as though we need like another back row. Or, I want to say it's twenty eight. Because I think there's 29 players listed for 2022, but I'm pretty certain Ogden is on a development deal this year or a second tier deal this year. Although he's listed on the top 30 tracker, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, so we've got one or two spots available, and I, I know, yeah, you got Lodge out there. Although the NRL have made the bizarre decision, apparently, that despite the Warriors having to front up for the rest of his contract, that the Eels would be evaluated pro rata at what would be a full season $500,000 contract for Lodge. God. Like, so where, where is the, the – there is just no consistency I know, in the like, it, at it, all. It, seriously, I, I could understand if they said to the Eels, we need you to have him on the books for the very, like the, the base wage an NRL player would get. Like, so let's say a top 27 player, so not the 75K, 110K, whatever it is. Yeah. So you've got to pay him 55K for the rest of the year and then the Warriors will be topping up the rest. I can understand that because, you know, okay, fine, but – Surely, if the one of the big clubs in the Storm, Roosters or Panthers, like we saw with uh, 
TPJ last year, uh, pick up a player, they would not be asked to pay pro rata $500,000 on top of whatever the club is paying, his Olgotten boys paying him. So, And the other player that's out there that hasn't signed up anyone, um, we'd know much more intimately than uh, Lodge, it's Will Smith. He's out there for a club wanting to come back to Sydney. So yeah, you know you you wouldn't mind him for a because uh, to he's, do the same role that he was doing before. Yeah, and it's it's a bench utility that Brad Arthur's comfortable to use in multiple ways, which is good. Um, it doesn't just sit there, uh, you know, waiting for a game to go a certain way. He can be deployed as a small ball lock or out in the back line if needed. So yeah, there's a couple of options out there. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be against him coming back in. Um, you know, but for that one Dragons game, he's always yeah, done a job from way back in oh, 20, 2017 or 2016 or whatever it was. Man, I hear that's all forgiven, especially with the amount of shit Reed's put up this year. That's all forgiven. I'll take him back in a heartbeat. And uh, he's, he's an improvement on um, Mitch Rand. There's no offense to that, but... Players like a, a bit Smith and Stone and whatnot, they're just such glue, aren't they? Like, they just... It feels like even if they're not stars, they just help hold the rest of the team together in a positive manner. And I, yeah. I would love to have Will Smith back. Yeah, you always need those... Um those sorts of players to round out a squad. Um, all right, well, we've we've gone off track here. We're, we're meant to be previewing the Roosters game. Um, so, Bernie, let's start uh, with you. Uh, try sc- first try score, eventual score. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go first try score. I'm going to go Bailey Simonson. I think he's going to have a bounce back game. Um, uh, I've, look, I'm, not, I'm, I'm always going to tip my team, but I feel we'll probably win 24-20. It'll be a close game. It'll be back and forth. Um, I'm expecting the team to fire up. I'm, like, I'm talking coming out of the gates, you know, running hard. Um, maybe maybe put the offload away, I, I, which I don't. I'm not a fan of. But hey, just get back to basic football. And um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna try not try and hold my tongue and not tweet every time I read you know, <laughs> yeah. screws up. But um, to get to the point now, it's like what can he do wrong? But yeah, I feel we'll, we'll, it'll be a bounce back game. You know, uh, I feel as though they got flogged this week. Maybe so. Um, yeah, I feel as though um, we'll win this game easily. Twenty four twenty. All right, off to you. 40. Yeah, well, I mentioned that, that in in this sort of game, I, I would like to see the boys overcome some adversity, which means I'm not going to be tipping any sort of big win. Um, I'll go 22-18. Um, and I think Bertie's probably right about, you know, maybe shelving the offloads for the most part. But I'll go 22-18 with a crucial try coming off a quality offload. I don't know who's going to do it, whether it's Maddo or Junior, but someone's going to slip an offload to Mitch Moses or Dylan Brown and they'll get over. And, yeah, first try scorer. Oof. I don't think we've scored first try in a little bit, it feels like, as a in the head-to-head there, but I will go for uh, Wonga Blake. He should have had one this week if Sean Lane, or last week if Sean Lane didn't get sloppy in the defensive line, and uh, he'll make up for it this week. All right, and then for myself, I'll have us winning 28-22 um, with first try scorer Makasivo. He needs to get back in the try scorers um, list for this season after a slow start. Um, all right, well, do we want to wrap it up there? Um, you know, the only way up after last week is up, isn't it? Yeah, the only way is up after I last mean, week, right? We don't, we don't want to tempt the footy gods because I'm sure they can find a way to make things worse, but it sure does feel yeah. like that is rock bottom, and the only way is up from there, especially knowing what this team is capable of. Like I said, our ceiling is up there in the sky, but our, our floor, our basement is just so low at the moment. The gap between our best and our worst is way, way too big. We have no excuses. We, we we could blame you know the injuries early on. We got two injuries at the moment, so we got no excuses for di- for dishing up you know shit performances. So yeah, yep. so stop stop blaming the injuries. Absolutely, yeah. I, mean, I don't think anyone is blaming injuries now. It's uh, I think by you know to a man or to a woman, everyone is saying it's clearly attitude. So uh, they've got a good chance to start uh, rebuilding that faith to some degree against the Roosters, but it's going to be an ongoing process. When you have that sort of effort against the Bulldogs, I think you sort of bankrupt yourself in terms of good faith to the fans. So you're going to have to work and work and work, and that's exactly what they need. 
to get this second half of the season rolling. I guess one positive is no Klein in the middle because that man oh, cannot referee. We, we, we didn't even talk about that, but that it, it's that, not an excuse certainly, and a, nobody's saying it. But there was some pathetic. There, there yeah. was some absolutely atrocious calls. The fact that the best referee in the game, he refereed Origin One, did not know the rules about challenges is wild. And the fact that I'm pretty certain the dog should have still been Sinbin there for a cynical penalty trying to force a challenge. And then secondly, the fact that Tavita Pangai Jr. is allowed to try and play the ball on his knees with the parameter was making no attempt to strip it and it gets overturned is, uh, yeah. It, it tells you everything you need to know about the state of NRL officiating. And it clearly didn't make a difference to, this, to that game. We were just dreadful. But, geez, it's so frustrating to see that. That just happen. piled on. That's what, that's yeah. what pisses us off when it piles it on. And it, but it's it's not just about the Parramatta Eels, it's about all 16 teams. This is a legitimate issue that it feels like the media do not want to talk about because you don't want to criticise referees too much when the state of officiating has never been worse in the NRL. Mm. I think it comes from upstairs, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Um, all right, well, let's, on that sad note, leave it there. Um, but uh, as I said, get out there to um, to Parramatta Stadium. Don't I can't at the moment. Uh, I'm in a um, bit of ISO. Um, but uh, go and uh, listen to those sick, sick DJ Havana Brown beats. DJ Havana Brown was like a thing when I was 18, and that, that's, that was a long time ago now. <laughs> um, she might be creeping up in the years. Is she still laying the tracks? Bertie, you would know. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, I don't listen to her music. You know, I follow her on TikTok, but she's not bad for how, however old she is at the moment. You know, I think she's looking after herself. But um, yeah, you know, back in high school, she, her music was, you know, that, that was back in high school. That was like the DJ days, you know. And, um, who was it? Who was that weird guy from Sweden? The guy who um, did a song with. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but that was back then when I was back in our high school. It was all DJs and stuff. We well, heard it here from, um, from Bertie first. Uh, not bad, good size. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, catch you on the next one, boys. See you.